are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So anyway, let's dive into this series. Isaiah 53 will be kind of our home base here at the beginning. And we see that the prophet Isaiah was foretelling the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And he was pointing to the image of Jesus. And it all points to this, a suffering Savior. Say that with me. A suffering Savior. One more time. A suffering Savior. Savior. So let's start reading. We're going to kind of paraphrase. There's a lot of verses here, but I, I pick and, picked and chose uh, certain verses I want to highlight here today. And so let's start reading in verse 3. This is Isaiah prophesying, foretelling of Jesus the Messiah. He says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. Verse 4, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, verse 5. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. Another translation says, by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Verse 7 says, he was oppressed and treated harshly. Verse 10, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and fill him with grief. You see, Jesus' role as a compassionate high priest demanded this, that he experienced pain and suffering so he could sympathize with us. You see, a big part of the cross is this, that Jesus can sympathize with our pain. Have you ever had pain? Have you ever been hurt? Jesus can identify with that pain. God wants us to know today this, that he feels our pain. He feels our pain. Are you hurting today? Have you been hurt in the past? I, I don't know, maybe emotional hurt. We go through pain in many different areas. Maybe a broken heart has you hurting. Maybe a relationship gone wrong. Maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're living in the consequences of a bad decision. You're dealing with that emotional pain. Maybe it's mentally your head hurts so bad because you can't let go of it. It just keeps replaying in your mind. Maybe fear has your mind gripped and it has become your companion. Maybe there's no rest up there. Maybe worry floods your mind every single day. Maybe it's physical pain. A lot of Americans deal with physical pain. Actually, the stats show that one-third of Americans lose 20 hours of sleep a month because of pain. 48 million people have arthritis in America. 25 million deal with migraines every single day. 16 million deal with back pain every day. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know where it's at right now, what your pain level's at. Could be financial pain. Could be social pain. Could be marital pain. Could be pain raising your kids. 
could be family pain. All of us have one thing in common with the suffering Savior. It's called pain. He knows what it's like. Imagine God the Father sending his son to that cross. Imagine Jesus saying, Father, I, I, this, this is going to be difficult, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I, I'll do it. I'll do it. I know it's going to hurt, but I, I'll do it. I'll go through the pain because today God wants you to know that he feels your pain. You see, God has enough grace to solve every dilemma you face, wipe away every tear you cry, and answer every question you ask. God's supply of grace never runs out. God's supply of compassion never runs out. And who better, who better to preach on the problem of pain than the one who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities? And what a better pulpit than on the one that which Jesus was nailed to, suspended between heaven and earth, to utter his very last words. Jesus identifies with your pain. There was 52 words, and it took 30 seconds to preach these last words. Although it was drawn out over a six-hour period because it was in between the pain and the agony, the suffering, the crown of thorns, the beating, the spitting, the mocking, the laughing. But out of this 52-word, 30-second sermon came some of the most powerful words to ever hit planet Earth. In a nutshell, Jesus was saying, I know life hurts. I, I can identify. I, I've been there. I took the pain for you. I know what it feels like to be betrayed and mocked and hurt and abused and laughed at and told you'll never be anything and mocked all the time. I, I, know, I know what it's like. But Jesus is saying you can endure the pain because I did. The words of a dying man speak volumes, but these six hours leading up to his death give us full confidence that when we face pain, he also faced pain and can identify with our pain. On that day, over 2,000 years ago, you see, this did happen. That cross is a reality. It's not some Disney fairy tale movie. It did happen over 2,000 years ago. Thousands of sheep were massacred, but only one speaks this day. Only one utters seven powerful words that still bring comfort, assurance, and healing to life's pain. It's almost like Jesus had you and I on his mind. With the shortness of breath and pain beyond imagine, with blood profusely gushing out of every part of his body, yet he speaks to our pain. Yet he speaks over 2,000 years later to you sitting at Fuel Church listening, yet he knows and can identify with what's going on in your life right now. 
And yet he uttered seven powerful words that still can be a reality in our life. That still can change us. That still can alter the path of our life. Yet he was nailed to a wooden cross after being beat and mocked for over six hours. After he was being spit on and they would blindfold him and take turns. The Roman soldiers punching him and slapping him in the face. If you're the son of God, rescue yourself. If you're the king of the Jews, then do something about it. For six hours, they whipped him. The cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had shards of glass and pointy objects in it intertwined into this rope whip. And they would whip the savior of the world. And when they would pull the whip away, literally chunks of his flesh would come out. The writer says that he was unrecognizable after these beatings. People didn't even know it was Jesus. This did happen. This did happen. This did happen for you and I. This did happen for what we're about to face, maybe even this week. This did happen for the future pain, for the future hurts, for the future misuses and abuses that may come to your life. This did happen. The savior of the world, suspended between heaven and earth to take the pain of you and I. To take the pain. Hmm. I think about this and I think, my God, you're the savior of the world. You didn't have to go through that. I mean, Look at the miracles he performed while on earth. I mean, he walked on water. He cast devils out. He multiplied fish and loaves. I mean, there were some notable miracles in his life. He raised the dead. Right? Why why couldn't he take himself off the cross? Oh, he couldn't because of you and I. Because of you and I. Because you and I were on his mind. You see, he said, I'll endure the pain. Because they're going to need the price paid of their sins in 2017. I'll endure it. I'll spill my blood because I know that my blood is the only thing that can bring forgiveness to their life. I'll spill it for them. I'll do it. I'll endure the pain. Despising the shame, he endured the pain. The Bible says that he did not open his mouth in retaliation, although he did open his mouth and give us seven words to live by today. And for the next four weeks, I can't wait to unpack these seven words. Today, we'll just lay a foundation and get through the first word. That's all we have time for. But I got good news. I'll be back Thursday to preach more words. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the first word. It's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Here Jesus just endured six hours of beating, mocked, spit on, bleeding profusely out of every area of his body. The crown of thorns is on his head. He has been nailed to a rugged cross in which he carried halfway and then collapsed because of exhaustion and pain and had another person, Simon, carry that cross. I wonder today, do I have people here that will still carry the cross? I wonder today if you'll go into your workplace and still stand up for Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, the Bible says that he collapsed with the cross. You see, if you were a criminal, this was the, the way that they executed criminals in those days. And after the Roman soldiers, they were very vicious people. And they, they loved the beating part more than the nailing of the cross. They did. And they loved beating because they just loved to see those, these criminals suffer. And Jesus, even though he wasn't a criminal, right? He wasn't a criminal. He was, he was crucified beside two criminals, one to the left and one to the right. And these Romans loved beating these criminals, and they would beat them to a bloody pulp. And they would just, the Bible says they were gambling over his clothes, and they, they were just very vicious, right? And here Jesus is, after hours of this excruciating treatment and pain, here he is nailed to a cross. Here he is looking down upon his accusers, looking down upon the Pharisees. They were there too. The the church leaders who he fought with all through his walk, all through his ministry. He was always arguing with the Pharisees, and they had all these lists of rules and do's and don'ts that always made them upset because Jesus and his disciples never went by their rules. Because serving Jesus isn't about rules, it's about relationship. You had a good chance to say amen. It's about relationship. And so here they are. Here they are at the foot of the cross. There's Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene. Here here they are. A few of the disciples showed up. Not all of them. John was there. Few of them betrayed him. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by his friends. He knows what it's like for those closest to break his heart. Judas and Peter, they weren't there at the foot of the cross, but here Jesus is, suspended between heaven and earth, bleeding, and he utters the first word. He says, Father, forgive them. Now, if it was up to me, I would say, Father, fry them like french fries. Anybody got some enemies? You want to see them in the grease? No, no. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Father, forgive them. What? Are you crazy? They just beat you for six hours. They just spit on you. I, I don't know if there's anything more degrading than someone spitting in you, spitting in your face. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could say, Father, forgive them. Maybe after I lay them out. You know what I'm saying? But you're more spiritual than me, so you're going to say it. Pray for me, because on Highway 75 yesterday, I had all fingers up for the crowd. I said all. I didn't say number one. I said all. Some of you like to throw up the number one finger. Because those drivers, they can't drive. They just, uh, I told Buzz, I said, I don't know how you drive every week on these roads, man. These people are crazy. Now, mind you, I was going 20 over the speed limit. <laughs> pray for me. I got my struggles, you got yours. We pray for each other, you know what I'm saying? While eating Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The manna from heaven fell this week. Oh, come on. I felt the Holy Ghost on that. Jesus. I was going to bring everybody one, but I just, I didn't. Dad said I ate him. <laughs> Father, forgive them. The first word that Jesus uttered was a word of forgiveness. A word of forgiveness. 
out of all the words, there's seven words, we're going to talk about all of them, but this was the first word that he uttered. Jesus preached frequently on forgiveness, but never like this. Never like this, with his enemies' feet from him, his enemies with hateful scowls on their face and evilness in their heart, the Roman soldiers standing there with the spear that they just poked in his side. The Bible says that the water and blood flowed out. The Roman soldier that crushed the crown of thorns through his head, all right there, mocking him, spitting at him, yelling at him, punching him. They were all right there. But yet, Jesus, he resisted the temptation to seek revenge. And can I just tell you this? Whenever life causes pain, whenever someone causes you pain, there will always be a temptation to seek revenge. Always. But there is a way out. I heard of a series one day. You ought to check it out. I heard some preacher did a series on that. He resisted the temptation to seek revenge. The Pharisees, they were waiting for the backlash of words and glares and comments from Jesus, but instead they were shamed by his words. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Have you ever said something to somebody and it came out in the wrong way in the heat of the moment? And later on you said, I wish I would have said it different. I wish I would have waited before I let emotion speak. Some of you do that on Facebook every single day, and we're getting tired of it, just saying. Hashtag, we done with it. Hashtag, I unfollowed you months ago. You don't know it. <laughs> I love when I have the mic. Y'all can't do nothing about it. Uh, and, and you say something in the heat of the moment, in an argument, and all of a sudden your emotions speak louder than what you anticipated, and you're, 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 you're throwing out knives and daggers at people because words hurt. Whoever said sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me lied. Words hurt. Because words can make, create, or break someone's future. If I was on Twitter, I'd tweet that. That's good. I'm not. Words can hurt, help, create, or break someone's future. They can destroy someone. Some of you were raised in a home. Some of you were raised with family members, and their words almost destroyed you. You shouldn't even be sitting here in your right mind because you were put down from a little kid. You were put down all your life. You were told you'd never be anything. You were told you are going to be just like him, just like her. You were put down. You were pushed down. And you endured pain in your life. And you know what happens when you have pain? It hurts. But Jesus gave us a word for that. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You say, well, my dad knew what he was doing when he said those words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the heat of the moment, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm. I know this is a tough one to swallow. I think it's important for us to grasp. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, 
They know not what they do. What is forgiveness anyway? The word means to send it away or to let it go. There was a movie about it. Let it go. Let it go. You want me to keep singing? They're like, no, over here. We're leaving the church if you keep singing. (laughs) To send it away. It doesn't belong with you. How about this? When the package comes and there's hurt and there's offense and there's bitterness, why don't you do this? Just check that little box that says return to sender because it ain't staying here. It ain't staying. Ain't nobody got time for that. I was trying to see which Proverbs that was in, but I forget. Some of you are like, where is it at in Proverbs? I don't see it. It's not Proverbs. Come on, Google it. And, 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 and so I can, I have a choice. You have a choice. Do I keep it or do I send it away and let it go? Do I send it away and let it go? Do I keep it kind of like a balloon that has helium in it? Can I keep it or do I just let it go? Do I let the hurt go? Do I let the pain go? Do I let the offense go? Were you done wrong? Yes. Yes, you were done wrong. Were you abused? Yes, it was wrong. But now you have a decision to make. Do you keep it or do you let it go? I can't make that choice for you. Ultimately, God can't make that choice for you. Some of us pray to God, God, let this thing go. And God's saying, no, that's your choice. It's not my choice. I already let it go upon my son, Jesus. It was nailed to the cross. That person who hurt you, their sin was nailed to the cross too, just like your sin was nailed to the cross. Now you have a choice. You can set the prisoner free because unforgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing the prisoner was you. It's white boys preaching back from vacation. I'm ready. Let's go. We got extra time on the clock. I don't care what these new screens say. Come on now. Forgiveness is the spiritual process of ceasing to feel resentment, indignation, or anger against another for a perceived offense, difference, or mistake. Forgiveness means ceasing to demand punishment for mistreatment. Father, forgive them. First word. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, it's not that those who wronged Jesus received this blanketed forgiveness from God. Hear me. Jesus, as a man, forgave them, but the matter of their eternal forgiveness was still contingent upon their faith and confession. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again, because some of you got to get this out. If you don't get anything, grab this. Jesus, as a man, said, Father, forgive them. He released them. You know, when you forgive people, you release them. You release them. He said, Father, forgive them. As a man, he forgave them. But now their salvation was contingent on them confessing with their mouth on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't mean when you release them that I I just, you know, I'm not going to release them because I don't want them to be in heaven with me. (laughs) Some of you said that. Don't even lie up in here. Some of you lie. I don't want them to go to heaven. I'm not releasing them. Well, just because you release them doesn't mean they're going to heaven. This is good whether you... This is real good. I'm subscribing to the podcast. That's contingent upon their faith. 
And that's between them and God. That ain't between you and them. What's between you and them is you releasing them and letting it go. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I I forgive them. Jesus is trying to tell us something here. He's telling us, I too have endured mistreatment. I too have been violated. I've been abused and misinterpreted, sometimes by even church people, sometimes by family. And yes, I had two close friends that betrayed me and to a greater extreme than any of you. I know what it's like, but I need you to hear my last words that no matter what anyone has said, no matter what anyone has done to you, you can fully forgive them. You can do it. You can do it. Jesus gives us his first of the seven words, and it's important I believe that he chose this word to be number one, to be the first word, because he knew that not only would we need forgiveness, but that we would have to be ready to give forgiveness. That through this Christian walk, until we leave this earth, that it's going to be an ongoing issue for us. I said it's going to be an ongoing issue for us. You see, Friends, forgiveness is a process. It's not an event. It's a process. It, 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 it's going to be with us. We're going to have to learn to forgive people until we leave this earth because people are people and people hurt people. You're going to get hurt tomorrow. You're going to be ready. It, it's going to happen this week at work. There's going to be a word. There's going to be words that don't sit well with you and it can create an offense And you get a spirit of offense, the Bible talks about. And then if we allow that to sit in our heart, it can become a root of bitterness and unforgiveness. And once the root wraps around your heart, it's very hard to get it out. So we need to learn to deal with the offenses, the small things that set us off, that really have no significance or eternal difference in our lives and really don't change our lives. We, we get all worked up about it. Well, she threw me an attitude. Well, she hates the world and hates herself. She's going to throw you an attitude. Most people outside of this church and even some in here hate themselves. And when you don't like yourself, you don't like others. And you always, you always, what always comes out of you when you don't like yourselves is really how you feel about yourself. That was free. That was free. I'm not going to charge you. You can't sign the chair too. That was free. Yeah, yeah, what comes out of you is how you see yourself. When you look in the mirror of your life, usually people who put others down put themselves down. Usually people who tell others, oh, you never be anything, never amount to anything. In their mind, they're very small. They're very small. They have very low self-esteem. And they think, if I can put others down and I can say these words over them, then I have power over them. Hmm? Nobody has power over you unless you give it to them. That's for somebody in here. I don't know who that's for. That didn't come out in first service. But some of you need to let, stop letting people define who you are with their words. If they don't line up with the word of God, it ain't staying here. Send it away. Well, every day I go into work and I hear it, I hear it. It doesn't matter. Send it away every day. It doesn't matter. That just means the more you need to put worship on, the more you need to put the podcast on when you go to your job. If those negative words are firing at you like machine gun bullets, 
You need to declare, I don't receive these words. These words will not define me. Only God's word will define me. Only God's word will define me. Your words are not going to define me if they don't line up with the word of God. Hmm? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. How, how do we extend this forgiveness? How often do we extend it is the real question. Well, let's look at Matthew 18. So we wrap this up. It says this, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how often do I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. How many is that? Huh? 490, thank you for those who passed algebra. It's actually multiplication, but it's okay. I went to Taylor, pray for me. I know I got a lot of Taylor people. I love y'all. Thank you for believing in me. Graduated 123 out of 125 in my class. I'm proud of it. That's a joke. Second service, it gets wild on me, man. <laughs> Peter comes to Jesus. Seven times, I, I can forgive him seven times. Jesus is like, no, 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 Peter. No, no, no. 70 times seven, 490. So does that mean if someone treats me bad 491 times, then I can punch him in the face? <laughs> How many got some people in your mind right now you want to punch in the face? Like, like, you do punch them in the face in your mind. Like, you're like, boom, yes, that felt good. Come on, y'all doing that. Y'all doing that. You at home, on the couch, thinking about it. Pops in your head. You beat them up in your head. <laughs> y'all are too holy for me. Anyway, there's some people I want to knock out. There's a scripture that said, Mama said, knock you out. I'm going to knock you. Anyway, I think that was L O Cool J, yeah. Are we having fun in church? Is this okay? <laughs> Talking about the seven last words of Jesus. It's real spiritual. Can't you tell? <laughs> 70 times seven. So, so what Jesus was saying, really, this number 490 represents a completion to an exponential degree. It, it, it really means we have to be willing to forgive without limit. Without limit. But they keep doing it. Okay, keep forgiving. Or remove yourself from the situation. You see, a lot of times, a lot of times, we're a victim to our own abuse. Help me, Holy Spirit. Because we'll stay in a situation that allows us to be mistreated, that allows us to be put down. And we're a victim to our own abuse. When we can remove ourselves from that person, from that environment. Yes, you can. Don't tell me you can't. Don't tell me you can. If, if your husband's abusing you, I'll tell you right now, remove yourself from that man. Yep. Yep. And if you don't, then you are a victim to your abuse. And, and I'm not trying to be harsh about it, but we make our own decisions. And sometimes our decisions keep us in an environment because we become a victim to it. And then other times, people become victims for life. And here's what happens. They've been hurt, and the hurt is real, and, and pain is pain, and the abuse is real, and I, I've never experienced abuse. I, I wasn't raised in a home like that. I was raised in a great home, and 
we went to church and you know I had great parent have great parents and put the word of God in me. But some of you I know your homes are crazy. And so you come out of that and Christ sets you free and now you're walking in freedom. But then if you're not careful, you can become a victim to your past. And you always bring it up. And it always is sitting right there and you're always ready to talk about it, not in a positive way, but a negative way. You need to release it and you need to let it go. Forgiveness is a process. We're going to have to choose to forgive people until we leave this earth. Someone's going to offend you today. When you go get your fried chicken today, someone's going to offend you. They're going to take the last leg. We was eating, yes, Friday at Paula Dean's restaurant. Dear God, have mercy. I about thought I was going to get raptured, I'm just saying. The best meal I've ever had in my life. It was expensive, but it was worth it. And they brought out this fried chicken that would make you want to shout, even if you're a Baptist. And, and I, my, I never seen my kids. They were like vultures over this fried chicken. And I'm like, there ain't nothing left for daddy. Now, I'm paying for this $150 meal. I need some fried chicken up in here. I ain't frying no chicken up in here. <laughs> for all my movie lovers. Gotcha. And, and I said, the lady, well, it's all you could eat. The only one rule is you can't take it home. But she said, you want more fried chicken? All the gra- those were words to my, yes, honey, bring the fried chicken. Dip it in the grease. Bring more of it out. Thank God I had my stretchy pants on that meal. <laughs> Woo, I almost didn't come back. I'm just saying, I'm, I was like, Jesus, this is the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm staying here. It was awesome. But listen, let's wrap this up. Come on, guys. I'm out of control right now. (laughs) I've been on vacation. I'm ready to preach all night. Let's have Sunday night service again. I don't know. There's nothing. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen. Listen to me. There's nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness, right? It's a gift. He gives us. There's nothing you can do. You could have perfect church attendance, right? and not tap into the gift of grace. That's true. You could come here, you could tithe, and not tap into that gift, right? So there's nothing that we can do to earn God's forgiveness. But when we have received his forgiveness, listen to this, we do have a responsibility. We do have a responsibility. What is it? To now forgive others. We have a responsibility. If we've been given grace, now we need to extend grace. Some of you are greedy with your grace. Some of you are greedy with your grace. You're hard on everybody else when people show you grace, but you won't extend the grace. God's saying today, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They hurt me. Your hurt is real. I'm not trying to downplay your hurt. Because some of you have been through stuff that I can't imagine. I probably wouldn't even be sitting here if I went through what some of you went through. It's a miracle that you're here sitting here in your right mind. It's a miracle. I've heard your stories. It's a miracle. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Now you have an opportunity as you have been given grace to now extend grace to someone else. Will it be easy? No, it won't be easy. But it is possible. Because Jesus showed us the example. The accusers. 
those who just whipped me for six hours. Father, it's my first word to you, church, Fuel Church 2017. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I extend that grace, Jesus said. Father, forgive them. I send it away. I release them for what they did to me. I release those words. I release them spitting in my face and degrading me and mocking me, punching me. I release them. I release them. Jesus is found extending forgiveness. He's not found fixating on his own problems. He's found extending forgiveness. He gives us the secret during this Easter celebration. He gives us a secret. The secret is found in forgiveness. The secret is found in letting the water run off your back like a duck's back. I'm going to let it go. It's not worth it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to talk to other people about what they did to me in the church or outside of the church because that's gossip. Not going to do it. I'm going to release it and I'm going to move on. Why? Because I'm on a journey following Christ. And I'm not perfect, they're not perfect, but he is perfect. And I ain't got time for that. A word of forgiveness. The first word of Jesus on the cross. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.